Welcome to Paranormal Things. I'm your host, Keith Frischkorn. We're going to do UFO Hunters Invasion in Illinois. Second season, first episode. Here we go. Without further ado. To the skies and soon realize they're not alone. A mass sighting of three strange red lights grips this tiny suburb on the outskirts of Chicago. These lights were observed by thousands of people. I saw three red lights. This was definitely not an airplane. It was unlike anything I'd seen before or after. The sightings spiral out from Tinley Park to towns all across the Chicago Southland. Residents are left without an explanation. There are UFOs, I swear to God, this is no bull****. And these lights may be part of a worldwide visitation. time, witnesses are coming forward. Tony Park Police Station was being inundated with phone calls. So everybody was calling the cops. With never-before-seen footage of the Tinley Park lights. There's something there, and I can't explain what it is. I got it on tape! I got it! This is case number 97001, Invasion, Illinois. Three to the, three to the train uh, triangle that they always see, you know, lights in the sky. That's what I guess they assume. Right outside our front window, we were able to see it. An invasion. Three red lights in the sky. August 21st, 2004, Tinley Park, Illinois. In this quiet suburb, just 30 miles south of Chicago, many are taking advantage of what they think will be a normal summer night. They're gathered at block parties, at barbecues, and at a local concert by rocker Ozzy Osbourne. The mood is festive, and the skies are clear, but not for long. I got it on tape! I got it! What kind of light is it? What kind of anomaly is that? The first of over 50 reports begin pouring in to local authorities just after 7 p.m. There's something strange in the skies above Tinley Park. Three bright red-orange lights that seem at times to be flying in a triangular formation and sometimes in a straight line. Actual video from that night shows the lights moving silently and slowly from west to east over the Tinley Park area. I think this happened in L.A. and Phoenix. By 9 p.m., Reports of the strange light spread like wildfire over the Chicago suburbs. Tinley Park, Lake in the Hills, Oak Forest, Orland Park, Mokina, Madison, Frankfurt. I saw three red lights in the sky. They were kind of hovering and changing formations from a triangle to like a three in a row, one, like dot, dot, dot. And this thing just floated across the sky from southwest to northeast. Here we are at the first Midwest Bank Amphitheater, formerly known as the Tweeter Center. The site on August 21st, 2004 of OzFest. On that night, people leaving the amphitheater after the concert was over got caught in a traffic jam. 
And in the traffic jam, they're looking up and they see dazzling light formations in the sky. Now, we know what some people might say. I mean, it was an Ozfest concert. Of course people are going to see lights in the sky. <laughs> they think it's drugs. The Tinley Park case should have the makings for a really interesting case. Or There's a lot of evidence. We've got a lot of witness testimony over. spread over a wide geographic area. And the case is really fresh. It's current. And the people in Tinley Park were to learn this isn't just a regional mass sighting. The team believes this may be a worldwide event. A similar set of lights is captured on tape two days prior in British Columbia, Canada. Then in Minnesota. The day after the Tinley Park sightings, August 22nd, the lights appear in Houston, Texas. And this actual video appears to show objects hovering over Melbourne, Australia, the very next day. Wow, two of them. In triangular uh, Triangle-shaped encounters are on the rise, joining the more traditional cigar and saucer-shaped reports. Sightings of strange triangle-shaped craft skyrocketed in the early 1980s. The military's unveiling of both the F-117 stealth fighter and the B-2 stealth bomber in November 1988 helped explain a number of these accounts. Still, many mysteries remain. The mysterious Belgium UFO of 1990, seen here, and the Phoenix Lights Triangle of 1994 There's have that. become landmark cases. Here, my now it's up to the team to find out if the Tinley Park Triangle is part of this greater phenomenon. October 31st, 2004, Halloween. The triangle returns to the skies over Tinley Park. The red lights are back. They're over about the 80th Avenue train station. And again, that. are seen and taped by large groups of people. Dad, speed up as close as you can get on this thing. The debunkers tell us these are flares. These are flares attached to balloons that are hovering in the air. Could these lights, witnessed by hundreds and maybe thousands, and be simply a hoax putting flares on or something balloons. else entirely? They'd have to be tied together and make a triangle. The Tinley Park investigation is underway as several angles are explored. Pat Uskert is collecting video evidence from the eyewitnesses and attempting to pinpoint the precise locations of each sighting. At this point, we GPS really need to see a lot more information. I need to see more video. I need to talk to more people. We've got a lot of work ahead of us. Former NASA analyst Dr. Ted Ackworth will use Pat's data and the videos to scientifically calculate the size and speed of this object. And with this in a little break in the action there. How big is this thing? And Bill Burns tests an alleged hoax to see whether the lights are actually flares attached to balloons. We may not know what these lights were, but by the end of this investigation, we're sure going to find out what these lights were not. We're meeting Sam Moranto, uh, director of Illinois MUFON. He's our main contact here on the ground in Tilly Park. 
Sam was a lot of networking to do with UFO and terms, UFO, UFO research and when everyone hunting. saw the lights, they contacted him. He's actually been in touch with all the people who have the footage, uh, the eyewitnesses, uh, the people who say they saw uh, this this thing in the sky, whatever it was. I think I probably interviewed well in excess of 100 people. According to Sam, the Tinley Park events are among the best documented UFO sightings ever. Many people have seen UFOs. Rarely do they report them. You rarely even get so much as a, a picture out of uh, uh, most UFO cases. Approximately 25 to 30 videos exist, shot simultaneously from different parts of Tinley Park and the surrounding suburbs. There are still many more people to see and uh, talk to, more footage to recover, and I think this case is evolving. This thing was seen by thousands of people. New that the it did make military newspapers, has. Uh, uh, you know, nationally in Illinois and even around the world. So Pat goes right to the source, can, a correspondent can from the local paper, the Southtown Star. How many people? I'm meeting with it. Jason Freeman. As a journalist, he's he's objective. He doesn't really have anything to gain from this. He's just interested in, in getting at the truth, very much like we are. You know, I was amazed, um, but. You know, you can never take the reporter out of yourself. So uh, I, I immediately started to, to you know, kind of get the scene. Those people who hadn't seen it, uh, you know, already had their minds made up that, that it was uh, what the media said it was, road flares or whatever, all these other explanations. Whereas I think the people that saw it, myself included, uh, a little bit more open-minded. Jason writes a column about his own personal experience. I got out of my car and tried as hard as I could to get a better view of the anomalies. What exactly was it that I and hundreds of other Tinley Park residents saw that night? I'm not sure. In speaking with a journalist, it's, it's important to keep in mind that he's been trained to just record events as they occur, as unbiased as possible. To my knowledge, no one ever uh, officially explained what they were, which leads me to you know, scratch my head even more. The police department adamantly said that these were not uh, weather balloons with flares. Uh, in fact, every other agency said the same thing. The uh, FAA said this was something that they don't know what it was because it didn't register on their radar. Within 35 miles of Tinley Park are Chicago O'Hare and Midway airports. How could radar operators at two of the nation's busiest airports not pick up an object seen by so many witnesses. The FAA has no answer, which causes the team to rule out commercial or private planes. Perhaps the best evidence may lie in the video. This is a unique scenario because we have so much very good footage. Yeah, it's not like it's 15 blurry pieces UFO. of videotape that capture the bizarre phenomenon. This was the August 21st, 2004 sighting, mass sighting. This segment of footage is from Oak Forest. I don't know what that is. I wonder how many more there are going to be, but you know what, that was really cool when it was the three of them. I don't know. Do you really think we should call and report this? Three miles to the southwest, in Tinley Park proper, another witness, T.J. Jabcon, 
shoots this footage of the lights. Are you recording this? Yeah, now I am. While he's shooting footage further southwest, they're shooting footage from the northeast. So they're actually shooting the same phenomena simultaneously. This is, this is a triangulation on one go. phenomena that both cameras pick up. From every angle, in every neighborhood, eyewitness video captures the lights in the same triangular formation. We were all Various younger. lights almost stayed rigid with respect to each other as they moved through the sky. Do flares do the same thing? I think it would be premature to, to jump into this and say we're looking at some sort of a huge extraterrestrial phenomenon or, or giant craft over Tinley Park. What we have is, is three points of light in the sky and I'd like to keep it right there until I get more information. Skeptics claim there is an ordinary explanation for the Tinley Park sightings, but the multiple witnesses don't agree. Never before seen footage from that night may finally provide the answer. People are not asking the right questions. They're not asking... questions because they kind of think they already know the answers. Technology. I knew it wasn't a plane or aircraft of any kind that I've ever seen. There was no noise. So we were kind of amazed and just started to think what it could be. And I really have no answer for that. The team is in Tinley Park, Illinois, investigating multiple appearances of an alleged triangle-shaped UFO. Hundreds, if not thousands of people from lawyers and doctors to concert goers claim to have they seen claim. three strange reddish lights in the sky on two separate nights in 2004. One witness, two witnesses, that's not enough. We need to get as many witnesses as possible, look at as much evidence as possible, analyze as many videos as possible, and, and from there put a picture together. Pat heads out to meet with T.J. Japcon an eyewitness who was able to capture the alleged UFO on video. While Bill meets with Ted to find out what else might be flying over Tinley Park. One question I always have when Skies. we have sightings of lights overhead at night is what's going on with commercial airliners and maybe even military uh, aircraft operations. If we can rule out those kinds of aircraft, that leaves uh, a lot of evidence on the table that might lead to something anomalous. Situated within 30 miles of both Chicago O'Hare and Midway airports, the skies above Tinley Park are some of the most congested airspace in the United States. O'Hare's. The air is filled with commercial and private aircraft that could be mistaken for something extraterrestrial. According to the team, the strange subject might also be a misidentified military craft, but they feel this explanation is unlikely. There is a military operation area way to the north here. It's, mm -hmm. it's about uh, so roughly 100 miles away. And there's another one way to the southeast, also on the order of 100 miles. So I wouldn't say, A, there's no military operation area, and B, you're not going to get the military operating right in the middle of this massive international commercial airspace without causing a lot of trouble. Still, Bill tries to get some kind of official statement from the military on the Tinley Park phenomenon. 
he contacts the group commander, a senior military official at nearby Scott Air Force Base. Yes, hi, I'm Bill Burns from UFO Hunters and UFO Magazine. Uh, I'm calling uh, in reference to the August 21st, 2004 lights over Tinley Park. Uh, I'm calling to find out what traffic the military had that night. You have no information about that. I understand. I understand. According to the official Air Force response received by UFO hunters, quote, we do not have any documentation on this at all. Due to the high turnover of military personnel that have left since 2004, we don't have anyone that could possibly speak on this. Now, we've got to get to the witness locations. We have to interview the witnesses. The more videos we Look have like and the more witness in Virginia. we can get, the like more scientific data we can get over that... TED to analyze on the workbench to see what we really have in front of us. Hopefully they can uh, I saw find out what it is. I saw three red lights that were slowly hanging in the sky. It was the most incredible thing I had ever seen. I've never seen anything like it before. I've never seen anything like those lights. Especially when they move individually. PM, August 21st, 2004. T.J. Japcon and Dave Wagner are at a block party with approximately 70 friends and neighbors. They have no idea that their party is about to have some uninvited guests. My son had seen three lights come up right above the trees. Are you zooming out of the way? Yeah, Jake, look at that. Okay, wait, leave it. Okay, okay. UFO. Someone's saying UFO, and I did turn around finally, and I saw it, and I'm like, what in the world are these things? We, we've just never seen yeah, it. Visual lights. was just staring at it. Just, it just floated across the sky. Three red lights and like a triangle. TJ gets his video camera and manages to capture the object on tape for an incredible 18 minutes. No way it's to... definitely not a helicopter. It's going too slow for a helicopter, too. It's going right over us. As they watch, they believe the object is maneuvering in ways beyond the capacity of conventional aircraft. It took about 15 or 20 minutes to move from here to over there. Then it stayed, it stayed stationary for a little while, and then it crawled again. So it actually stopped at one it point. It stopped, yeah. It would hover? So it moved across the sky, stopped, and, hover, hover. and then it continued moving. Yeah. Yep. Wow. The slow pace and stationary hovering of the object is highly inconsistent with typical aircraft flight behavior, and these locals know it. When a police officer stops by the block party, he is bombarded with questions about the object. We had stopped him, and we asked him what was going on, and he goes, right now, he goes, I can't talk. He has to get back to the station because the station, uh, Tilly Park Police Station, was being inundated by phone calls. Yeah, so everybody was calling the cops. Everyone was calling the police. UFO hunters contacted the Tinley Park Police Station for a statement. The officer in charge had no comment on the case, but their own incident dispatch report shows they did receive calls of red lights in the sky that night. After half an hour, the object slowly disappears into the night. Whoa! Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Gone. But around 11.30 p.m., TJ and Dave have another sighting. A single red point of light that follows the same path as the object seen earlier. Must be looking for it. Kurt! They're back! The UFOs are back. This time, 
Dave is ready. He has a high-powered telescope in hand. I didn't see any sides or anything, but from the naked eye, it looked like one dot in the sky. But through the telescope, it looked oval-shaped with about 10 or, red, 10 or 12 red lights around it. Pat collects TJ's video and other data for Ted to analyze. He uses a GPS locator to plot the precise location of the sighting. Next, a clinometer helps establish how far off the horizon the alleged UFO appeared to be. Finally, compass readings pinpoint the trajectory of the UFO across the sky. Definitely the footage that TJ just showed me is very similar to the footage I saw earlier with Sam. These are definitely videos of the same event, the same lights over uh, Tinley Fort, whatever they were. What was this object? What was its size? And how far away was it from the witnesses? Or was it an object at all? TJ In order to complete the triangulation, Ted will need data from one final location. With this information, he can also start estimating the size and speed of what these people were seeing, and perhaps even identify it. That same night, Bob Peterson is with his children in his backyard when he sees the same triangle-shaped object. Dawson, go ask Mom for the telephone. I want to call somebody. What made you take notice of these lights? I just happened to look up and there were three red lights in the sky. And it was definitely an odd thing to see. We are kind of in a flight pattern here from Midway Airport. There's a lot of activity uh, as far as planes are concerned. So at first I did think they were helicopters, but as they got closer, I mean, they were dead silent. There was just no noise coming from them. So at that point, you know, it, it wasn't a helicopter. How about airplanes? No, it's way too slow. Despite his sighting, Bob is not convinced that he has seen anything extraordinary. My opinion is there, there's some type of hoax put on. I, I don't know what it would be. Bill Dooley, Bob's friend and neighbor, also witnesses the lights. But his reaction is very different. We actually had a high-powered telescope back here at the time. And one of our friends got right on it. But he said it looked just like we're seeing it with our naked eye. I thought it was something some kind of flare or something like that. You know, we thought about that. I think you would see some kind of smoke, and we didn't. Again, Pat takes the crucial location data for both Bob and Bill's sightings. With three distinct locations, UFO his home. data compilation is complete and ready to send to Ted. But before Ted comes to any kind of conclusion, you want to watch us? You can has catch us on YouTube to perform. But listen, listen to it on my Anchor of the FM station. See, the name is Dr. Alan J. Heineck. Weren't you with a thing called Project Blue Book? Well, I thought they shut it all down. He says, yeah, they got you thinking right, don't they? Project Blue Book. Part of UFO hires. If it was a hoax, they did a really good job. Whoever created the hoax. That's all I could say. Skeptics and debunkers claim that the three bright red lights seen by hundreds of witnesses in the skies above Tinley Park, Illinois, are nothing more than flares attached to weather balloons. But those who actually saw the lights with their own eyes hold a different opinion. My son and I were on the phone together watching the UFO. 
planes lights normally flash but these um lights didn't flash it was it was exciting and it was disturbing Dr. Ted Ackworth has worked for NASA's Flying Imaging Aircraft Program. He is joined by Terence Masson, an image processing expert from Northeastern University. They begin by analyzing footage shot by T.J. Jabcon on August 21, 2004. Ted feels it has the highest image quality of the nearly 30 pieces of video UFO hunters have collected. My first thought was it was going to be necessary to stabilize because these are shot by uh, normal people background um handheld so we've got you know this kind of swimming motion of sure that's pretty yeah. typical once we've done that i was able to then uh, pick one of the three lights and translationally pin that so that all of the related emotion is basically locked around that point having stabilized one point of the three Ted and Terrence are able to see how the other two points move around it. Are they free-floating or locked in place? To me, uh, and the numbers bear it out, that it does look like the, uh, the other two trailing points are locked to that third nodal point uh, in rotating. So either they're fixed to the same physical structure, uh, you know, a triangular craft, or they, if, if it's um, man-made, uh, they have to be some kind of I-beam, some kind of physical connection. Mm -hmm. If the lights are all connected, why do they sometimes appear as a triangle and other times appear as a straight line? Is the object shape-shifting? Ted and Terence's analysis shows that's not the case. The most likely answer is, as the attached lights move in the sky, the only thing that shifts is the viewer's perspective. To my eye, it appeared that those three lights seemed to be locked together geometrically, and his analysis uh, agreed with that. We now quantitatively know that those three points of light are locked in, in space together. Ted and Terrence still cannot determine whether there is a solid triangular craft with a light on each point, or three individual lights that are somehow able to rotate together. One segment of TJ's footage from October 31st, 2004, shows a conventional aircraft, a helicopter, flying near the triangle shape. The team contacted all local airports, the FAA, Pilots of America, and numerous other aviation organizations in hopes of finding the pilot. One pilot responded saying he had been in the air and saw something strange that night. When asked for an interview, he refused, claiming he feared for his job. I'm hoping that we can get a sense like of a the overall plane. size. Is this thing uh, 10 feet across or a uh, quarter mile across? We could take the height of that helicopter image in this uh -huh. frame right. uh, and, and compare that to the height of the, the right. lights and calculate the distance between right. those two lights. Because spatially, just in the uh, the imagery uh, itself, it's probably about 30 times the, the linear width of this helicopter, right? Yeah, that's getting up to 1,000 feet. 1,000, say 1,000 feet as yeah. opposed to the width of the helicopter. So based, based on this method, I think we're in the ballpark, you know, uh, of a 1,000 plus feet mm -hmm. in separation between these, these, uh, right. these three lights. With their estimate of 1,000 feet between the points of light, Ted and Terrence plug in the location data that Pat has gathered from the eyewitnesses. 
the GPS locator pinpoints each sighting on the map. The clinometer reading reveals the angle of elevation, or how high off the horizon the lights appear to be. Compass readings indicate in which direction the alleged UFO is traveling. Without this additional information, no true estimate of the size of the object can be made. Based on the clinometer and compass readings, the witnesses all appear to have seen the same object to the west and low to the horizon between 5 and 10 degrees. And we know from the footage here from, from TJ, which is, is taken from here looking in that direction at about a, a roughly a 10 degree elevation, that our object is, is approximately that distance away from right. TJ. And we figured that was about two and a half miles. Two and a half to three if miles. If the unknown object is two and a half miles away at an average of seven degrees off the horizon and with 1,000 feet between each point of light, then they can estimate its total size. I think 1,500 is a pretty good estimate, plus or minus a couple few hundred feet. It's definitely not the, uh, the, uh, the distance from wingtip to wingtip of anything that... Absolutely not. And I don't know any structure that you could fly that, would, that could hold lights 1,500 feet apart. To the best of their knowledge, the alleged UFO over Tinley Park is one object several thousand feet in the air and about 1,500 feet from end to end. I want to see him debunk it, try to debunk it. To put that into a reference to something we might know, think of a 747 or, or the newer uh, A380 aircraft. Those are about 200, 250 feet in wingspan. So we would have to stack up about six of these to get the span that we're seeing from our evidence in this case. And that's just beyond, that, that's like 6X, the largest aircraft that we have. Based on all of this evidence, the video, the spatial recreation, the estimation of motion, uh, the image processing, uh, I don't know what it is. There's definitely something out there of this 1,500 feet uh, span, but uh, I have no idea what it might be. This could be an elaborate hoax. People say that there were red flares in the sky. Don't think that it was some type of a spacecraft. Um, it, there just wasn't any evidence to me that it was anything other than three, three lights that were not connected. Although there's never been an official explanation for the lights over Tinley Park, uh, there are some people who believe that these were nothing more than flares tied to balloons. And it's an interesting theory, one that we have to test, so that's what we're doing here today. We're actually going to set some balloons with flares aloft and see if they look anything like the uh, Tinley Park footage from 2004. Cleared by local authorities, the test will allow the team to compare the color and intensity of the flares, as well as the way the balloons and flares move in the night sky, with the original footage of the lights over Tinley Park. But Ted's analysis proved the lights were connected by something solid. So if this was a hoax, it was rather elaborate. We suspect that there's a frame between the lights, an object between the lights that you can't see in the darkness. So what we're doing to test this out Camera is we're building triangles out of the PVC pipe and attaching flares to the end of those corners. So in effect, 
we're making our own flying triangles out of flares and balloons. Let's see what they look like compared to the footage we have. As the team unloads their equipment, the weather begins to take a turn for the worse. Much worse. We're going to major lighting right now. Big storm coming this way. We have to shut this thing down and get inside and get some shelter. Bill and Pat manage to get the materials for the experiment inside, but the danger is far from over. They don't pull this tornado alley by accident. I grew up in California. We just don't have this. Uh, I've, you know, I've seen lightning before. I've heard a little bit of thunder. This is, uh, you know, what, what can I say? Welcome to Illinois. We have forgotten a very important part of our story. Orange. As you can hear, back from commercial. We've got a lot of bad weather coming in. The team is in rural Illinois in a controlled environment supervised by local authorities. In spite of the weather, the team soldiers on, building the PVC frame. Three weather balloons Can they get it out? Okay, we got a garage door. helium gas and attached to the frame. But it soon becomes apparent that the frame is too heavy for the balloons to lift. The larger we got, the heavier the frame got, and the more impossible it was for the balloons to lift this thing. So it just seems like if they're if they're describing a giant triangle, there's just no way these balloons could lift this thing. It would take possibly hundreds or even thousands of balloons to lift a structure that large. They know from Ted's analysis the object is massive, and the lights are connected. It's unclear how such a hoax could be possible. Still, the team works to get the balloons airborne and in formation in order to compare the flares to the strange lights on the videos. I think the lightning has passed. We may have a window to launch. Sam Moranto and several eyewitnesses from 2004, Bill Dooley and his son Nick, and Bob Peterson and his son Tyler arrive for the test. Since they saw the lights with the naked eye originally, they're the best witnesses That's to tell us, debunking, hey, I guess. this looks Re-enacted. like the lights we saw, this didn't look like the lights we saw. For test purposes, they've also brought the same cameras they filmed the Tinley Park lights with in August of 2004. So what we want to do is maybe use their cameras to take footage of the balloons that we launch and compare them to their footage from 2004. Let's see how it matches up. The three balloons are attached on a line at 15-foot intervals. A flare is then suspended from each balloon. Gentlemen, light your flares. While Sam and the team have only seen the video evidence of the Tinley Park lights, Bob, Bill, and their sons are eyewitnesses. They know firsthand what the object looked like in 2004. The quality of the colors, the way it held its triangular form, 
and how it moved across the night sky. I see the flares and the blooms. Now, what we saw in the summer of 2004 like was that. much steadier flow of light, not jerking around like they did. The color was bright red, like you'd see a light on top of a cell tower. Uh, this was more orange, more pink, so no, nothing like it. Bob Peterson's initial impression is that the 2004 lights are a hoax. But this demonstration has given him a new perspective. Based on what I saw tonight, no, I don't think it was a flare. Um, it, there's, there was just too much that was different about it. It was mechanical, whatever it was. There were flares, but now he's they looking at flares. Perfect triangular. They did not behave the way the lights behaved when he first saw them on August 21st and October 31st. A final meeting with Sam Morato reveals that the night of the original sighting, August 21st, 2004, may be part of a worldwide UFO flap. And Tinley Park's history of UFO sightings didn't begin in 2004. As you may have already oh, before, found out, way before that. you have some indication. This area has been, been spotting active. them since what, 1947. Project Blue Book, the Air Force actual investigation into UFO phenomena, actually had one of their cases here in Tinley Park. What was the case? The case was um, two young men seeing an unusual object. They reported it, and it was investigated, and it still remains unknown. And that was in the early 60s. Was there any other activity around uh, the case that we're working with now? But I'll tell you one thing, Pat. We had August, a hot month. Objects very similar to what was seen out here was seen on the 18th in Canada. On the 19th, we have that object over Minneapolis-St. Paul hovering there for a period of almost nine hours. Then here we go, the 21st in Tinley Park. After that, Houston, Texas. A few hours later into the 23rd, what do we have in Melbourne, Australia? Same thing again. On the same day? Is it, it possible fast. that these were all sightings of the same object? What was the date of the Australia sighting? The Australia sighting was on the 23rd, but remember, their dateline is ahead of us by 16 hours. What are the chances of these lights popping up here and then in Australia uh, a couple the days later? The very next day. Sam Morato has uncovered video from Australia that appears to show two of the Tinley Park-type objects seen here for the first time. Oh no, it's like, battery looks like a, oh, something out of astrology. 2005, the same configuration of lights returns to Tinley Park and again is widely seen and taped by the residents. The object appears to be the same one seen in 2004, and yet another sighting occurs barely a month later on October 31st, Halloween 2005. Year With later. all of the evidence gathered for this Jack case, video, the team Tindley waits Park. for Ted to weigh in on the experiment. How would the new footage stand up to the original 2004 video of the mysterious lights over Tinley Park? If you're living with HIV, keep being you and ask your doctor about Big Commercial. Bictarvi is a complete one-pill, once-a-day treatment used for HIV in certain adults. It's not a cure. When I saw those three Back lights in the footage, nothing came to mind instantly that, hey, oh, that's a commercial airliner, that's a helicopter. Uh, I'm very intrigued. 
there's something unusual there, and I hope to get to the bottom of it. Now, Sorry about the with commercial footage in hand, Ted and Terrence are preparing no to scrutinize several aspects of Bill and Pat's experiment. Even with an absolutely perfectly still, calm atmosphere, you're still going to get this kind of unrelated random motion to these three points. Right. Now, of course, in this case, there was actual some kind of wind, and they're just all over the place. As Bill and Pat noted in the field, their balloons behaved erratically in the wind, in stark contrast to the 2004 footage. According to National Weather Service data, on the night of the experiment, winds are clocked at 12 miles per hour. In 2004, the winds are more than twice as strong at 30, 30 miles, miles per hour. Man. Yet the lights do not exhibit the same erratic behavior as the flares and balloons. I mean, I can imagine a tether, like a nylon filament tether, right. but that would only limit the the, the distance the this way, the, uh, but not this right. way. And we're seeing that they're not kind of bouncing in towards one another and hitting outer limits. They're locked. What this seems to reinforce to the team is that the 2004 lights must be locked in place via some form of rigid structure. Without this, the light should exhibit the same volatile behavior as the experiment video. The longer it holds that right. uh, configuration, the stronger and stronger the case that they are actually locked. That's a pretty important conclusion. I think so. It's, it's definitely not three independent uh, floating flares. But does this prove that the witnesses in Tinley Park and other locations around the world photographed a flying craft? Boy, being skeptical. Ted and Terrence also want to contrast the color and light quality of the flares in comparison to the original footage. Unfortunately, it's, it's very hard to tell with these consumer-grade cameras, uh, the exposure settings and the sensitivity is such that you can shoot uh, dramatically different colored lights, and uh, very often you're going to see them basically bloom to almost solid white. The biggest difference uh, that's pretty clear to me is the, uh, the intensity differences. Right. The flickering, basically, for lack of a better word, uh, is very evident in the flares. Ted and Terrence also look for scintillation, any fluctuation in the quality of the light. A constant light source will have less scintillation than a less stable source, like the flares. To me, it's actually an illuminating source. Uh, it's very clear, you know, some kind of light, right. uh, as opposed to some kind of burning um, combustion. Right. Which will have its own uh, uh, variability. Right. But Terrence brings up another intriguing point of comparison. The experiment clearly shows the flares dropping residue, but in the original video from 2004, there is no evidence of any residue. I'd love to be able to say that our experiment and our analysis of the evidence leaves us with a very credible explanation. This was, was flares floating on balloons. Um, but I can't say that. I, I think uh, it's, it's extremely unlikely that, that that is the explanation for what we have here. I can say definitively that there's no way that I can see any kind of tethered balloon light source, flare or otherwise, um, would be responsible for the footage that we have. Without saying it's an alien spacecraft, I can definitively say, by the strictest definition, it is an unidentified flying object. The military calls them a flying anomaly. 
The Tinley Park case is a really interesting case to me. We've got a lot of data. We have a lot of witness testimony. We were able to do some extremely quantitative scientific analysis of our, of our evidence. To the best of my ability, I, I can't put my finger on an explanation to say, oh, it was something terrestrial. All I can say is that I, I can't explain what it is, and, and yet is a highly credible, uh, corroborated case. So there's something there, and I can't explain what it is, and, and that is very intriguing to me. I believe we have a genuine anomalous aerial event that occurred over Tinley Park in 2004. Some people say it was a hoax, but well, we have no evidence April it was a 2019, hoax. So. Now we know in other UFO cases, pilots, both military and civilian, have come across these orbs of light. That could be what we're dealing with here. So in my opinion, this case is still open. A lot of people out there with uh, ideas of uh, in the sky? Is this a worldwide UFO, UFO phenomenon? Or is this a worldwide UFO hoax? Both scientific and subjective testimony suggests that the object was not flares attached to weather balloons. Video analysis reveals something of massive size. Does the Tinley Park mass sighting and the mountain of visual evidence around it provide a glimpse of an actual UFO? Or are the answers still floating somewhere in the skies above Tinley Park? Well, there you have it. Fact or fake? You decide. Was that UFO? Um, or was it not? Was it created by the people? Till we meet again, sleep tight.